everybody. My name is Sarah. And my name is Matt. And we'd like to welcome you to Me Teach You. Today, Matt is going to go first. Okay. So I am going to start today by teaching you, uh, that being you, uh, the listener, and you, Sarah. Yeah, me. Mm-hmm. About weird forms of government. Oh. Now I am I'm sticking mostly in the theoretical realm here. Okay. Um. So these are forms of government that people have come up with in their heads or with a group of people, and they thought this would be a good way to run a country, as opposed to oh, oh so not like in parody. So like they legitimately think this is yes. good. Okay. Yes. So these are <laughs> earnest attempts to come up with the perfect form of government. Okay. Um. But I am not going to be talking today too much about um actual forms of government mm-hmm. in countries. That maybe different Bizarre. than what we're used to. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm sticking in the the theoretical realm okay. for today. Uh, so I'm going to start off with one that's called either delegative democracy or liquid democracy for yeah. those who like a spicier name. <laughs> so this is a, a form of government uh, where you, uh, any citizen in a country. Uh, gets to vote on an issue. So let's say you've got uh, an upcoming like, you know, we need a new policy on like crop harvesting or something like that. Crop harvesting. Yeah. Should we or shouldn't we? Yes. To harvest or not to harvest. Yeah. Should we leave it to rot or should we harvest it and eat it? Exactly. So in this form of government, you can vote uh, for the issue, like for the, the policy that you think is best. Okay. Or you can choose to, um, instead of voting yourself give your vote to another person oh so you say okay so i don't know anything about harvesting crops whether we should yeah but my uncle he's a salt of the earth farmer yeah so i am going to pass my vote over to them now isn't there a possibility that people can buy other people's votes Oh, I am sure that this <laughs> this is a very abusable form of yeah, government. Yeah, they're like, wow, two million votes went to this person. And uh, another thing to consider here, too, is that there's kind of a, a chaining effect that's possible. So yeah. if you give your vote to somebody else and oh, that person give. then gives their vote to somebody else, not only have they given their vote, they've given all the votes that they themselves <gasps> have received. Oh, so yeah. Wow. So I've, this is kind yeah. of like the... The pyramid schemes <laughs> of government. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But you know, it has like a good intentions yes it does it's like you know what we all should have a say and if you don't know you should be able to pick a qualified person yes that's also thinking that like you know one person's good at everything i know a farmer i know a physicist i know a doctor well the idea here is that yeah you you um if you say don't know somebody who's good uh you know for that you know someone who knows somebody somebody who knows somebody so it is like a pyramid scheme. This is like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon <laughs> of government. So I, I just want to know um, for this uh, segment, I would like you to, after I present one of these forms of government, for you to, to give it one? a rating. Oh. Uh, the format is your own, uh, you know, alphabetical, numerical uh, system, how you rate this form of government. Okay. Well, okay. Maybe I should rate it instead of how much I like it. Rate how corruptible it is. Okay. Sure. I, whatever you want to do. I'll leave it up to you. So I think this I think this one is 10 out of 10 corruptibility. Okay. I truly do think that. Yes. A very corruptible system. Extremely corruptible. I mean, isn't that what we're all here for? Sure. <laughs> uh, so the next system of government is called demarchy. Ooh. So this is a system of government where you take a random sampling of the population of a country. Okay. And you put them in power. <gasps> oh. So it is basically a lottery um, I feel like but it's, it's a slightly a more targeted lottery. <laughs> so you, the idea is that you like take okay, we've got 
a certain number of this demographic group yeah. put them in power, or a certain number of this demographic so group. So it breaks down to what the, the breakdown of the whole country is or the whole city or whatever you do it? Yeah, it's supposed to be the breakdown of the country. How far? Just Is it just like um, like heritage or is it well, like economic see, background? Here's my, my issue with this form <laughs> of government is it's it's pretty hazy. Like people just kind of like throw out like, oh, they're like, oh, we're, we're going to like choose a government based on like, you know, race and gender. Yeah. But- are those like the 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 only factors that should be considered? No, what no. about like you about know there's, what they believe in? There's yeah exactly. There every person is an individual, mm-hmm. and I think uh, it is uh, I don't know honestly almost it's just bad to it's try foolhardy. and boil people down to these demographic groups that that like just deciding that people fit into these demographics is a very opinionated thing in of itself. Yeah. And so it's almost assuredly not going to be representative in the way that it maybe thinks it would be. Yeah. Like what if everybody's accidentally religious? Yeah. Even if they represent these different groups, they're all going to vote no on like, you know, they're going to want to do conservative. On destroying stuff. religion. Yes. Yeah. And that is our ultimate goal. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's your ultimate goal. Every time Matt plays Crusader Kings, <laughs> he just wants to dethrone the Pope. Yes. He hasn't yet. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, so corruptibility, Demarkey, corruptibility. I mean, I don't think it's as um, corruptible mm. because it's randomly selected. Yes. And this is the way that you've chosen to grade these yes, systems. Yes, which is kind of, I'm, I'm regretting it now. I'd say this is, I mean, corruptibility is like you buy votes or you get somebody in. Like mm. I'm that person. So this is a random lottery. Random lottery, corruptibility, like 2%. Yeah. Or 2 out of 10. <laughs> I'm changing my numbers. Uh, 2 right. out of 10, corruptibility. Right. I mean, the only thing I can think of is someone's on the inside and they rig the lottery as they do. Yeah. Some, I assume this happened before. So yeah, 2 out of 10. Doesn't mean I like it. Yeah. It just means it's a random lottery. Yeah. Uh, the next system I'm going to talk about is uh, something called Futarchy. These are bizarre names. They are. Truly. Uh, and the things that they represent are also bizarre. <laughs> so this is uh, another strange form of government. And I'm going to simplify it a bit here because it's a fairly complex. So basically the idea here is that um, instead of voting for uh, people or policies, you kind of like vote on what your values are and you also vote in a way that is betting on what will happen in the future. Okay. So this is almost like a almost like a gambling form of government. So like let's say that yeah. everybody collectively thinks that like we're headed for a uh energy crisis yes so you basically you vote to say okay we're gonna have um methodologies in place to address the anticipated future energy crisis so it is a basically a system where instead of like voting for like okay the current problems the current problem or the current issues Mm -hmm. you're voting for how to solve issues that you think will arise in the future that is very interesting. So it is both betting on what the issues will be and yeah. how you think they should be solved. Now, doesn't that kind of run into a problem if you have big cult groups like QAnon who think the future issues are going to be different than what's actually going to happen? Uh, oh, yeah, very likely so. <laughs> and all of a sudden the government's like, we're putting all of our money into stopping this or yeah. stopping that or something and, like that. And see, a part of this system that I'm, I'm kind of cutting out for uh, yeah. expediency's sake here is, is like how it's all integrated with like market values and the economy. Oh, Jesus. But uh, so basically like in this system, like once you, you bet on things and as like the market value of like inaction, yeah. um, drops below action then that becomes policy so it's and like, also all of the companies that help whatever this crisis is that we're all yeah. betting on was gonna are gonna like 
balloon, right? Yeah. So in in some respects, that does uh, take care of a little bit of the problems of like weird outliers or fringe opinions. Oh, okay. But at the same time, uh, it is still a consideration for sure. Yeah. Jesus. So what's the corruptibility of this one? Pretty high. I think you could rile people up and make them think something's going to happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You convince so, people something is going to happen. Yeah. So I say eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very corruptible system. Sarah's corruptibility uh, index is incorruptible. I can't remember my first one. So and that was the most corruptible. It was 10 out of 10. Oh, 10 out of 10. Okay, this one's 8 out of 10. Okay. Okay. Uh, So the next one is actually, uh, this is a throwback to a previous episode. Uh, It was invented by a man who calls himself Rail. (gasps) The Railian. Yeah, I just, once again, I totally, without looking for it, came across a, a, uh, some connection to the Railians, the cult of alien worshippers. Is he still alive? I believe so. You know, maybe him and you have some sort of connection. Yeah, maybe the aliens did it. Oh my god! Probably not. But anyways, uh, so he created a a theoretical system of government called geneocracy. I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Is it eugenics? Uh, What's happening? Okay, so this one is pretty shit. uh, I'm just gonna say. Um, though we'll see how it falls in the uh, corruptibility index. Okay. Okay, so the idea here is that you are allowed to vote. As long as mm. you have an IQ of 110 or greater. Oh, yeah. I've actually heard of this. Yes. Well, you know, maybe not his thing, but I've heard people arguing this. Yes. But here's the question. How do you measure someone's IQ accurately? You give them an IQ test. I just feel like the IQ test isn't very good. I'm not saying that because I scored poorly on an IQ test. I'm saying that because it's like people have different types of intelligence, right? Yeah. That's not fair, Mr. Raelian. Well... Uh, so the idea here is that you can only vote if you have an IQ of 110 or greater. I just, I vote exactly And you cannot hold office if you have an IQ of 150 or greater. Now, is the corruptibility element is like genetic engineering of people? Like, Well, I guess there's a couple things. Like uh, corruptibility would be people cheating, a system of cheating on your IQ cheating tests. cheating on tests? No, yeah. no. Perhaps rich people can uh, pay <laughs> smart people to take tests for them. Okay, yes. Um, but they may not want to do that because the one failsafe here is that the people with the higher I- the higher I- your IQ, the more you have to pay in tax. <gasps> oh, wow. Which is a strange little quirk of the system. I mean, like, oh my God, that's so bizarre. I wonder what happens if like you're a mixed IQ household. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like one of us, let's say you have an you know, extremely high IQ. I have down in the dirt IQ. What happens to our taxes? Suppose you just take the average. Oh, Interesting. Very interesting. I don't like this one. I don't like this one. But it's ridiculous. Where does it fall in the corruptibility index? Mm, I'd say like four or five. Mm. I'd say five because I mean it really does. It needs a system of foolproof testing, which I don't think IQ tests are. But I'm hoping that if a society is following this type of government, they have really good testing. You yeah. don't like, hi, I'm blah blah blah, and some guy comes in with like a hat. And then the teacher's like, I've never seen you before. And then he puts his exam in the middle of the pile and messes them all up. <laughs> and he's like, see you later, sucker. That's a big brain move. <laughs> but yeah, that one I don't like. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so for the last two, I'm going to jump into the future. Ooh. Into the world of quasi science fiction. Mm. And I'm going to start with uh, something called newocracy. Okay. Uh, so this is basically where everyone, uh, everyone's brains are connected to a network and uh, a collective human consciousness, almost a hive mind, makes decisions for the overall direction of mankind. Oh, so the ends will justify the means. Well, I mean... I mean, what if the hive mind's like, we need to kill 
three percent of the population. Well, that then that is the collective will of all people. That's like an AI, pretty much. Hey, it's like the logic outweighs everything else. It is almost like an AI. Yeah. Um, but in this case, it is strictly not an AI. It is, in fact, the collective will of every person whose brain is connected to this network. But how can the correct collective will be accurate when it comes to actual things? Well, I'm facts? sure there's heavy technology that is um, analyzing and aggregating all this data and it's sort of the the brains meld together in sort of a global oh, okay. single consciousness like a so, hive mind yeah, basically so basically let's say there's like world hunger right uh-huh. instead of looking at statistics what we'll do is look at how many people are actually starving well and it's not even it's just like everyone will just co- have a it'll work like a hive like in like imagine like bees <sighs> like a bee colony i feel like i can't even fathom that i can't even wrap my mind around it a bee colony? Yeah, this is the most alien sort of of all of them. But what do people do day to day? I don't know. They, they're like drones, right? No. What's the point? Why would you need government in that case? Wait a minute. What do bees do? <laughs> don't they like bite the head off their sisters if they're like dying or something? Well, I mean, that's the for the people... good of the hive. No. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this one. I don't like the idea of it <laughs> whether or not you like the idea of it that's not how you've chosen to rate these governments <laughs> how corruptible is this a very low corruptibility isn't it i don't i can't think of a way to be corrupted can you no these horrible monsters they found the perfect government so is that zero then <laughs> zero. all right the perfect form of government <laughs> we did it <laughs> Oh All my right. God, just take away everyone's free will. So last one, and in a way, this is almost the opposite. So instead of everyone collectively deciding, like it's a, instead of like this distributed hive mind, this is a single, this is called a formal government called a singleton, yeah. where a single decision-making agency, most likely in artificial intelligence, okay. um, basically runs the entire planet's bureaucracies and like sort of day-to-day government work oh. nobody has to think about government anymore when you say day-to-day government do you mean like processing forms yeah exactly okay. bureaucracy like so you don't need th- someone what... who like you apply for a passport you don't have to go to a person yes it just is like enter it all in online i'll figure it out and and just sort of the orchestration and organization for this of this for the whole yeah. world and like you know uh decision making at all levels yeah uh, is just made by an AI. Nobody has to worry about it anymore. The AI make we all trust it to make the best decision for all of us, oh. and um, we it's- live our lives. <laughs> and okay, it runs the show. Um, I'm gonna have to say corruptibility ten out of ten because <laughs> there is no AI. There is no software or computer system that can't be hacked, right? Well. I don't know. Maybe this AI is uh, inhackable. Are we li- no, I don't think anything's inhackable, as you say, <laughs> young man. I'm pretty I, sure that's not a word. <laughs> I just don't think like if someone's going to figure out how to hack it. And then they're like, oh, I guess I control the whole world now. That's extreme corruptibility. Yes. Although technically, if that one person has hacked it, uh, they are still the single decision-making agent. Yeah, but they're probably like a fourteen-year-old boy. They're just from like secret. Russia, and they're like, now I get the power. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, so technically, I guess, it's still a singleton, though. Oh shit! Are they corrupted? Maybe by the internet? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to choose one of those, what would you choose? Oh Jesus! I think the Kate, random you know lottery. What? Oh, I-, I thought you meant of the, just the last two. Oh no. Of the last two, yeah. Like, Alien, do you want to be nightmares. a mindless drone? Yeah, not that one. <laughs> or do you want a child to run you life? Yeah. I think lottery, if I had to pick one. Yeah, the, uh, oh man, the lottery one would be a shit show. I know it would be a shit show. It'd be like year to year. Like, 
every single time they elect the whole government, it would just be like, okay, here we are. It would be a, a these people? goddamn shit show. I might take the uh, delegative or liquid democracy, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder how often people get assassinated in the lottery version. Oh, probably so much. Because they're not like celebrities. Yeah. They're not, I mean, would they have to go to a compound, I wonder? It's so weird. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that was actually very, very interesting. Yeah. So that's my wow. uh, my uh, lecture on weird theoretical <laughs> governments. Very good. Thank you very much. No problem. So I'm going to teach you today, me teach you about weaponized animals Oh. used in modern warfare. Well, now you've got my attention. <laughs> so I've selected three very interesting uh, examples of this. The first one, and then also I've ranked them on whether or not they're a failure or a success. Oh, excellent. So, and I feel like I can ask you first, but I think we'll have the same sure. answers. You get to do a lot of ranking today. Yeah, this is a good... I've already, I've done some pre-ranking. Let's just say that All before right. this show. All right. So the very first one was developed by the CIA Ooh, in the 1960s. Of course it was. It was a project to spy on the Kremlin and Soviet embassies and their secret weapon was cats. I love it. Cats. I love cats. It was called Acoustic Kitty. All right. <laughs> was that actually what the like the Yes, that was, was actually the name. Sleek of fur and quiet of paw. <laughs> Cats are the perfect spy. And that's what the CIA thought at least. Here's how it would work. A veterinarian would implant a microphone into the cat's ear. Oh. It would put a wire in its fur and a small radio transmitter at the base of its head. It's a problem because they were so small, you had to put small batteries in, and so the battery life wasn't great. But the entire procedure would take about an hour. And they had a couple of problems, like they wanted the cat to be able to move normally. They didn't yeah. want it to look like a weird robot cat. <laughs> I just imagine the wire staking through its head and a big like... No, no, long fur. Like a big box sticking yeah, they, out of it. They his... picked long fur cats. Oh, okay. That makes a little more sense. So out of our three cats, only one would be a good spy candidate. Yeah. That's... And his name is Stinky. Yeah. For multiple reasons, he would be the only good spy <laughs> candidate. Because he's not scared to go outside. Yeah. And basically what would happen is the cat would be released in a location and it would transmit and record sound. <laughs> so <laughs> the idea here is that the Kremlin suddenly is beset with cats <laughs> yes. where no one has known where they've come from, but they're not really worried about it because, hey, it. it's, you know, if, if, what happens in <laughs> Moscow. <laughs> no, no, the embassies. We got cat O in the yeah, embassies. Yeah, the embassies. Okay. And so I think it would just be within America. Yeah. But yeah, it's like if a cat suddenly shows up, like a dirty, ratty cat with yeah. long fur, I wonder how they feel about that, truly. <laughs> Anyways, go on. It was also hard because they had to make sure the cat didn't dislodge the equipment. Right. Doing normal cat motions. Yeah. Like cats move in very erratic ways. Plus, if a cat's got something under its skin, it's probably going to be itching the shit out yeah, of it. Yeah, and biting and licking and like weaveling back and forth. Yeah. So that was kind of the concept behind it. That was what they tried to do. They did it to a cat. Oh. So they, they pre-trained it essentially. So it, you know, I'm not sure exactly what to do. It moved towards voices. You know what I mean? Like right. it, they kind of optimized the cat. But as soon as it recovered from the surgery, it immediately began to act very dismissive of mm. all of its commands. Right. It essentially detrained itself. Yeah. <laughs> within a matter of weeks. Probably pissed because it <laughs> got this horrible surgery. Yeah. So before putting a single cat spy out into the world, the whole experiment cost $20 million. And that's in 1960. Right. It's incredible. It, it was terribly expensive. And when tests were finally run with cats out in the world, it was actually a complete success. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was fucking a failure. It was so bad. Basically, cats would immediately get distracted. 
As soon as I got hungry, they heard a noise. Something was too loud. They saw a bird. They completely like abandoned the entire mission. I like how no one at the CIA ever mentioned like, hey guys, have have we all noticed that like no one has ever trained a cat successfully (laughs) like in history? I like the idea that like the US is overrun with cats so much that no one notices. Or other countries, like all these other countries that they're going to be flooding the embassies with cats. I know. It was just like immediately, immediate nightmare. Uh, in, in 2013, um, the former director of the CIA's Office of Technical Services, his name is Robert Wallace, he said they call it quits in the project because how difficult the cats were to train. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> he said the equipment was... Okay, this is what he said. Tell me if you believe him or not. The equipment was taken out of the cat. The cat was re-sewn for a second time. I'm assuming it was sewn back up, which is like, should be... T- I, I hope so. That's a given. Yeah, they're not <laughs> yeah. going to throw it away. <laughs> the doctor took Poor the patient's cat. appendix out. And then he sewed it back up. Yeah. <laughs> and then the cat lived a long and happy life afterwards. I don't know if I believe it. He can say whatever he wants. It's actually funny. A lot of this stuff from like the 60s and 70s, like the weird experiments they do, there is very little concrete evidence. Yeah. <laughs> There's just some guy saying, yeah, the cat was fine. It's great. Like I heard another story that said as soon as the cat was released, it got hit by a car. Oh my God. And this was like six months of training and surgery. Bang. Yeah. But he said that didn't happen. And he goes, the cat lived a long life. So that's why I don't trust him. Right. Just a little bit. I mean, you don't want to be the guy that, you know, is mean to cats. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think the CIA particularly cares too much about I mean, they've, they've, <laughs> they've done that's a lot of <laughs> just one on their long list of atrocities. Yeah. But. So the one thing we do know is that there's a memo that was, um, how do you say, declassified, I yeah. guess. It's called Views on Trained Cats. <laughs> it's heavily redacted, <laughs> but it does talk about the achievements of the project. So it mm. really does paint itself in a positive light. Well, our final examination of trained cats convinced us that the program would not lend itself in a practical way to our highly specialized needs. It did note, however, that cats can indeed be trained to move short distances. And that was a remarkable scientific achievement. Wow. <laughs> just imagine the Mission Impossible music over that. Uh, short distances. Just cats. <laughs> everybody knows that. Have you ever shook a bag of cat treats and your cat comes like running? Yeah. That doesn't cost $20 million. It cost me like two bucks for the treats. So I think, okay, I'll ask you first. Well, what was the results? Was it a success or was it a complete failure? It was a complete failure. It was a complete failure. Absolutely. Okay. Number two for your consideration, the anti-tank dog. Oh. So now we're going to World War II, Russia. Okay. It's cold. I don't know much about World War II. <laughs> Or Russia. Russia. <laughs> Look, but I do know a lot about anti-tank dogs. So All I'm right. excited to tell you. So the purpose of these dogs, they were supposed to carry explosives to enemy tanks, armored vehicles, and other targets. Ideally, what would happen is the dog would have a bomb strapped to it. It would have a quick release belt. It grabbed with its teeth. It was dun 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 runs in, unleashes the bomb, and then runs out of there. Oh, wow. That's how it worked in theory. Okay, the bomb would either be detonated by remote control or timer. But at that time, remote control was just way too expensive. Right. And so it was pretty much always a timer bomb. Right. Which immediately makes this thing a little more dangerous working oh, with an animal. Yes. So that was the concept. They're like, we have a great idea. We got an excess of dogs. Let's make this happen. And then the guys like high five each other like, let's do it. So here's what actually happened. A group of dogs were trained for six months and they were not able to successfully master the task. And that task was essentially ripping off the bomb, running back. Right. It just 
didn't seem like it was working. Right. They could do single targets, go over to that person, but as soon as they moved or the plans changed or there's a bit like, you know, on the fly decision making, they immediately ran back to their handler with the dummy bomb on their back. Right. In which case the bomb would have exploded because they'd pull the timer tab or whatever, right? So, I mean, that's dangerous as shit. So the Russian army said, okay, this isn't working. We got to pivot. We've done a lot of research, but let's just make these dogs suicide bombers. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) It's the best solution. They'll just go in there, blow up. It'll be, it's the perfect crime, right? Right. So they started training the dogs. I don't like this, by the way. Yeah, no, it's not, that's sad. It's, it's very sad. Like, I don't, I do not like this at all. Okay. It brings me no joy to tell you this, but this is a part of history. Just so people are clear, we do not support <laughs> the weaponization of no, animals. In fact, We're just <laughs> telling you about it. I don't like it. Yeah. I truly don't like it. And if you do like it, there might be something wrong with you. Anyways, <laughs> continue. So they trained the dogs. There was food underneath the tanks. Right. So they say, all you got to do to get fed is just climb under those tanks. And they had a new bomb with a lever attached to it. And so they'd pull the pin. The bomb would come active. The dogs would slink their way underneath the tank, thinking there's food. And the lever on top of their backpack bomb pack would Mm. hit the bottom of the tank. Bang. Mm. Because that's the most... Like, um, I'm actually sensitive area. That's the most. The weak point. The weak point of the tank. Yeah. And it would just take the whole thing out. Boom. And at this point, that was just the plan. They'd never done it before. It was like a pitch. Right. Elevator pitch. One of the scientists or trainers is like, I have an idea. And they say, let's try it. Okay. So in the summer of 1941, 30 dogs, very special, poor dogs were chosen along with 40 trainers. They said, we got this. These dogs are ready. They're ready to jump into the volcano and make themselves sacrifices of this war. So they train them. They train them. They train them. They got them go under tanks. They got them think there's food under tanks. They ran, 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 ran. They say, okay, they're ready. Let's go to battle. Seems like so much work. And <laughs> and, and the poor dogs. I know. You I could know. just throw a grenade. I know. Like just buy a grenade. I know, but they wanted to get it underneath the tank. Right. Okay. And there's no other just way. like roll it. There's no other like way. throwing the grenade <laughs> underhand might there's, just solve this there's problem. There's no other solution to this problem. It's <laughs> okay. just the one they could yeah. have hit it with a golf club. It's poor dogs. I know the poor dogs. Okay. But I mean, there's a little bit of redemption because there's karmic justice in the story at the very least. Right. And I don't, I mean, it's not Is like it, the train yeah. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work. Okay. First of all, dogs don't like loud noises. It turns yeah. out. It's not like these are like, you know, seeing eye dogs who have been trained for a long time since they're puppies who are very, very social. Like, you know what I mean? Like they can go into traffic and not freak out or like army dogs. Yeah. I feel like these ones are a lot less trained. So as soon as they went out into the gunfire and the explosions are like, no way. And yeah. they just get out of there. And a lot of the time, just like they thought in the practice, they did have bombs on their back and they'd run back towards their trainer and explode. Oh my and God. And take out a bunch of people. Jesus. What a mess. I know. It's horrible. Okay. I realize it's horrible. It's not good. Um, they also didn't like the idea of going underneath a moving tank. because during Yeah, of course they don't. And so what they do is just stand next to the tank, wait for it to stop, making them like a you know sitting duck yeah. in the war. German soldiers actually mean, managed to kill one of the dogs. Uh-huh. And they took it back. They analyzed the bomb mechanism. And they're like, because the the bomb didn't actually go off. Right. And they started this whole propaganda campaign and they said, um, 
Soviet soldiers refuse to fight and they send their dogs instead? I'm sure it was like a political attack ad. Right. Don't believe them. Fight with us, the Nazis. And then it's like, this was paid for by the Nazi coming. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> they did it really fast. Okay, it was quick. Another vital mistake that the Russians made mm-hmm. was they didn't realize the Germans used different tanks. Like what fueled their like tanks more was than different. one kind of tank. Well, you see, they trained on their own Soviet tanks, which were diesel. Right. And Germans use gasoline oh. and dogs really rely on their sense of smell to find things as we know. And so basically in doing this, the Russians effectively created a dog sabotage machine that specifically that targeted Germ- or Russian, Russian tanks. It specifically targeted Russian tanks. Uh-huh. That's absolutely right. So Soviet sources say that about 300 German tanks were damaged by Soviet anti-tank dogs. That's a lot of dogs. However, most Russian historians do not believe this whatsoever. They think it's just them saving face. Oh yeah. Because it was made, you know, it was made up to make the program look like a success because the dogs didn't like going under tanks. It's just, and they mostly ran like back to their buddies and boom. Poor dogs. So just a year later, the use of anti-tank dogs truly declined. (laughs) If not completely stopped. Of course. And training schools were redirected to produce dogs to for, for simpler, gentler jobs like delivery dogs right. and mind-seeking dogs. Okay. Which is like a Better. step in the right direction. Yeah. However, and I couldn't find anything more about this, but for some reason, the Russians kept training anti-tank dogs until 1996. What? But I don't think they were using them. So like, what's the deal? It's crazy. Interesting. So what would you rank this project? Awful. It's awful. (laughs) It's terrible. I don't don't like it. It was actually worse than the first one because they killed so many of their own men. Yeah. They probably killed more of their own men than they did enemies. Well, it's much worse. I mean, the cat thing is like, it's horrible that they did the surgeries to the cats, but it was a dumb idea. But like, it wasn't like this. Oof. I know. This is awful. People, just stop weaponizing your animals. Well, they did in 1996. I'm looking at you, Soviet Russia. He's <laughs> looking at me. He's <laughs> looking at me in the eye. I didn't do shit. I'm, I don't make the news. I just report it. So the third one is a little gentler. Okay. okay? It does involve dead rats. All right. <laughs> okay. So the explosive rat or a rat bomb okay. was a weapon invented by the Brits. Hmm. So we're going all the way around the world now. Okay. okay? It was the British Special Operations Executive S-O-E in World War II. Here's how it was developed. 100 rodents were gathered and slaughtered and then stuffed with plastic explosives. Okay. The rest is history. That's pretty much it. Like, there's not much to this. They just jammed a bunch of explosives in dead rats. So what do you think they would do? When you hear this, what what would these rats do? I know what's the point. Is my like okay? <laughs> there's actually I, a pretty interesting kind uh, of interesting. I, I'm interested to hear the logic. How behind would you this. use this though? Okay, pretend this. You're a general. You have a hundred dead rats stuffed with explosives. How would you use this to fight? Uh, I guess like so. You're fighting the Germans, and you know that German children love their little <laughs> stuffed rat toys. <laughs> So you you give them to the children, and they would then in turn go and bring them to their fathers. How would they detonate? Who them? are German military officers? And they'd and would... be like, "Papa, Papa, <laughs> look at my new stuffed rat. It's it's such a wondrous toy. I love it so much." And then the papa like takes it, and he's like, "Oh, look at this!" <laughs> and then it just boom explodes. But how would it explode? It would be on a timer, and you're like, "I know the exact moment that child would take it to their papa." They couldn't uh, get remote control because it's too much. 
Because when the papa, t- you know, takes it and takes a close look at its face and gives it a bit of a squeeze and the tongue <laughs> unfurls out oh of God. the dead rat and hits the detonator. Oh my God. So it has to know the weight of a man's hands. Is yes. that what's happening? Yes, exactly right. Okay. Well, that's a, a good, Nazi man's that's, hands. That's a good guess. Yeah. <laughs> the tender touch. Yeah. Um, how it actually worked. That was a very good guess. And I appreciate your imagination. Thank you. But here's what they actually did. It was a lot simpler than that. They dropped the rats close to German boiler rooms. Like they're just dead vermin. And their hope was, is that some poor dude who was like, I stoked the fires. That's my only job. Pick up the rat and say, we don't want to get disease. And so he throws it into the boiler. Oh, <laughs> okay. Wait, what? if you're close enough to the boiler room to leave a bunch of dead rats behind, why don't you just throw some <laughs> explosives in the boiler? I, I think the idea was they put it outside of the building, but it would have to have a boiler in it. Are they like airdropping these? <sighs> They only had a hundred. It's like dead rat leaflets. I don't know how they got to. <laughs> they just dropped. Oh my god! There's dead rats falling from <laughs> the sky. It's raining rats. And so normally, the amount of explosives that a rat's body can actually fit is not enough to make a big problem. But if you put it in a highly pressurized steam boiler, it can just be like bam. <laughs> so ain't that just the way? Here's what actually happened okay. when they tried this. German troops immediately intercepted their shipment of a hundred stuffed rats. They said, oh my God, look at this. Look at this technology. <laughs> oh, State of the art. So that was it. They never re- remade these rats. They never used them. They never detonated them. But here's why I think this is a success. Okay. Okay. Germans would be looking over their shoulder for rats mm. stuffed with explosives for the rest of the war. Cause they said that couldn't just be the one shipment. Yeah. They're around here somewhere and I understand the plan and I will get those rats. And so the manpower it took to continue the search for rats stuffed with explosive was pretty substantial. Yeah. And you got to distribute a bunch of policy to like every single boiler in the country. <laughs> be like, if you find a dead Do rat, not burn rats. don't just shove it in the boiler. Yeah. Um, so the SOE, which is the British Special Operations Executive, they said, which I think is a little, taking a little bit too much credit, the trouble caused to them was a much greater success to us than if the rats had actually been used, which I don't agree. Unlikely. Unlikely. <laughs> I if, feel like they would have had the benefit of having the Germans looking over their shoulders and also having blown up a bunch of shit. Yes, completely. <laughs> so, oh my God. So it's, I feel like every time these things fail, like there's someone who's like, oh, it was a good lesson. We found out cats can travel short distances if you train them we found that dogs love jumping under tanks and we love you know we found out that germans looking over their shoulders for rats is how you win the war so i'd honestly say that's like a success like a weak success more so than the other ones like i a guess really weak like a bureaucratic success because yeah. you have somebody's looking around yeah so i wanted to end on a high note <laughs> <laughs> well i guess we can call it a high note yeah so Hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Go hug your animals. Yeah. Don't weaponize them. Do not weaponize your animals. Our cats weaponize themselves enough. They bite. They scratch. One bit my knee during this whole recording session. You know what? I think it's because he knew. Yeah. That was his revenge for you bringing this topic today. He's like, acoustic kitty, my ass. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you guys next time. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to Me Teach You. Our show is new and you may not know this, but the first few weeks are the most important when it comes to getting the word out there. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, please subscribe to the show, 
on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Leave a review and tell a friend if you think they might like it too. You can connect with us at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you search Me Teach You. That's all one word with the letter U as in university. And of course, if you have any interesting topics that you think we should cover, email us at smart at meteachyou.com. 